I trust you're all well. God is doing amazing things, isn't he? I, uh, I've really felt the Lord, and I shared this last week, I've really felt the Lord laying on my heart that we are entering into a season where God has been really building deep foundations, deep roots in our lives. And I know I've spoken to so many people and in counseling people, but some of you have been going through some stuff. And some of you have felt like, man, I'm just sowing and sowing and sowing. And I feel like the Lord said, what he's been doing is laying a foundation, getting your roots deep. And that there is a turnaround in the spirit coming where he's about to release his anointing to bring the growth, to see what is coming up from above the ground, where you will start to see and reap the rewards of your labors. Amen. And I really want to trust God that he's going to do that with us. And so I'm just going to grab this. I believe that the series that we're going into is really critical in us understanding how the power of the Holy Spirit partners with us in this. And uh, Lorato Champ, are here today. Where are you guys? There you are. Welcome, guys. Nice to see you. Yeah, great to see you guys. Uh, great to see all of you. I'm not going to name all of you by name. It's just, you know friends friends um, from many years back well let's pray and let's trust God is going to do a miracle today in your life amen father every person here chose today to come to church the enemy probably gave them many other options and they chose to come to church father thank you that as they've given their time today you will reward them you will bless them, you will fill them. Thank you for what you've done in worship. But I release right now an anointing of the presence that you would release an atmosphere of heaven in this place right now. That you would silence every lie of the enemy and release your truth. Lord, I ask that you would open minds, remove veils, and cause us to see you and understand you in the way that you truly are. I pray that you would take us from earthly humans to being spiritual beings seated with you at the right hand of Christ. And that, Lord, you would anoint the words that I speak today, that it would be as a double-edged sword changing our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're carrying on. We started this series last week, and Pastor Darling... Uh, Pastor Carol, for those who are visiting, my beautiful wife, that is, my darling wife, Pastor Darling to you. Uh, she shared this amazing message last week, and truly I believe it was one of the greatest messages I've heard for a while. And I encourage you to get the podcast. I'm going to touch on a couple of things, but she laid an amazing foundation for where we go in on the victory Christ purchased for us on the cross. And you know, it's amazing as Christians, we just so often think, well, I'm a Christian, I prayed the prayer, I'm going to heaven, and we miss out on so much of what Jesus paid a very high price for. And there's so much more than what most Christians are experiencing. And that's why you're in this church, right? Because you want to experience all of it, right? We all want to experience all of it. And Jesus, the victory on the cross, brought the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that I believe we're just scratching the surface of experiencing. But when we think about the victory that Christ paid for on the cross, just think about living with Jesus. Have you ever wondered what it would have been like to be one of the disciples walking around with Jesus, watching the healings, watching the miracles, listening to the wisdom, hearing the words from heaven, seeing how the Holy Spirit did signs and wonders, how quickly he ran across the water and, and, and beat all the sharks to the boat. I mean, he just did amazing things. And the disciples stood in awe of this Jesus. 
And yet at the end, they all believed. The disciples never believed Jesus was going to leave. The disciples believed the Messiah has now come and he's going to establish his kingdom here. And we're all going to be little rulers and lords in his kingdom. And he's going to destroy all our enemies. And we're going to sit at his right and left hand. And they fought over who gets to sit at his right and left hand. And there was no idea that Jesus was going to leave. So when Jesus started to talk about, behold, I'm going to die. Peter rebukes him soundly. No, you are not. That's not what we have in mind for you, Jesus. We have an idea of what you as the Messiah should do, and that's not it. And Jesus, well, he was very kind to Peter and just gently said, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And then later, he keeps telling them, I'm going to leave. Especially after the resurrection, this isn't good news, because Jesus was more powerful after the resurrection. He walks through walls. How wouldn't you like to do that? I've tried a few times. It was very painful, but Carol said she's practicing walking on water. I've got the more painful part. She just gets wet. I break my nose. I will walk through a wall. But Jesus walks through walls. He can appear anywhere. He just, poof, he's disappeared and poof, he's over there. And for 40 days, he appeared to hundreds of people. It says even some of the righteous rose from the graves and walked around. I mean, this was this was it. The disciples were convinced. Oh, we thought Jesus was gone. Now he's back. Now the kingdom will come. And Jesus again says, behold, I am leaving you. Now the disciples didn't like this. Like Jesus, what do you mean? You're you can walk through walls. You can do anything. You're the Messiah. You're going to set up your kingdom. And Jesus had to say this to them, that it's actually better for me that I go. And they couldn't believe that anything could be better than having Jesus. But he said, I truly tell you, because they had to hear truly. You know, they weren't quite getting it. So when Jesus says truly, he's emphasizing that it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the parakletos will not come to you. But if I go, I can send him to you. They just look at him like, what? Parakletos? Everyone say parakletos. Okay, you know a little Greek. I know a little Greek, his name is Dimitri, he's about this high. <laughs> and uh, uh, most people say parakletos, and if you prefer that, that's fine. I'll vacillate to keep everyone happy, Americans, British, Greeks, etc. But you know, Jesus says, I'm going to send to you a word that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. And throughout Scripture, that word parakletos, in your Bibles, if you looked it up, probably says counselor or advocate. But it's an interesting Greek word that literally means one summoned and called to one side to help and assist. In fact, it was one of the words used, not the only word used, for armor bearer. That uh, someone who had an armor bearer would say, I've got my parakletos with my armor, and he comes and stands beside me and helps me to win my battles. And so the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, is the one that Jesus sends to us to be at your side and to help you to do what? He aids you as your counselor. He will show you truths. The Bible says that he will be your teacher. The Bible says he'll be your comforter. That when we're going through grief, we don't have to go through it alone. He comforts us. He consoles us. He's our advocate. He stands in the gap when the enemy accuses. He defends. He speaks truth. He's our teacher and our guide in all things. And so today I want to unpack understanding your personal parakletos. Is that okay? 
It's okay with you. So today is a presentation of practical principles pertaining to passionately practicing and pursuing the presence and power of our personal parakletos. Or parakletos. Are you prepared? Have you paid? Oh, wait, we did pay for the sermons. <laughs> oh, you just paid. <laughs> Carol shared this last week. You see, part of the victory Jesus won on the cross is that when God created us, he didn't make us like the animals. He put what the Bible says in the Hebrew is psusha. He put life into animals. But then he breathed his own life into man and made man full of the spirit of God. Man, we were designed to carry the spirit of God. Genesis 2, he formed man out of dust and he breathes into man the presence of God, the spirit of God inhabits man and God has an amazing time walking with man in the garden, dwelling with man, fellowshipping with man. Wouldn't that be awesome? Can you imagine what it must have been like? Can you imagine how much God's heart broke when man rebelled against him? And God could no longer dwell with man and God could no longer fellowship with us. God created you for that purpose. God created you to be his friends, to be his children, to fellowship with you. And man chose not to have that. And so God had to say, I can't let you be in my presence anymore. He had to separate them from his presence because God can't be in the presence of sin. And so throughout the Old Testament, God had to devise ways that he could be with man through sacrificial rituals, through keeping the law, etc. But that was not his best. And he made a plan to send Jesus, and Jesus paid the price for you. He became the ultimate sacrifice. He, when he went to the cross, he paid by his own blood that you no longer by your works, but by his sacrifice can now be righteous and holy. I want you to look at yourself and say, I am righteous and holy. Now turn to your neighbor and tell him how much you hate it when the pastor tells you to say things during the sermon. Some of you don't. I know, I know. I'm so glad. But friends, a critical component of Jesus' victory on the cross he was the most excited. What, what was the glory that he said he pushed through the pain and suffering of the cross? Was you been restored to God? You've been made righteous and holy so you can be filled with his spirit again. This is a big deal. And I think sometimes we as Christians just take it for granted. He, this was a big price. He's suffering death and resurrection. And if we're going to stick to the peas, I want to say this. Christ's victory purchased the promised prize of his permeating presence once again in people. Left out the people part. You the people. You see, Jesus promised this in John 14. And this is an amazing verse. You see the Trinity in operation. Jesus says, I, the Son, will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, Parakletos, to abide with you. For how long? Forever. That's a long time. And he promised he'll never leave nor forsake. And then Jesus said, the spirit of truth. I want to just throw something in here. Truth is not facts. Truth is not making honest factual statements. Truth is a spirit. So I can say to Mike, Mike, you're looking ugly today. It's a bad shirt. I am being honest <laughs> according to... <laughs> It's a boring shirt. Mine's, mine's better. That's, so, so now, 
I could say I am being honest, but I'm not being truthful. Because the spirit of truth is not saying that to Mike. He's saying, Mike, you look awesome. I should have chosen someone else because Mike already believes he's awesome. <laughs> Bianca, you look awesome. <laughs> no law. I, I mean, all of you. Just take it. But you see, Jesus says that the spirit of truth is going to come. He says the world doesn't know him. The world can't know him or see him. But you know him because while you've been hanging out with me, he's been with you. And then he gives this promise. But later he will be in you. And now he's going to be in us. Well, that's pretty cool. And so because this was such a big goal for God, the moment Jesus was raised from the dead, what do you think one of the first things was he did? Yes, my wife got it right. Uh, yes, the first thing he did was step out of the tomb, right? <laughs> right? And then he had to reveal to people, he said, but the first thing he did with the disciples, 120 of them all gathered in the upper room with locked doors, scared and praying, and Jesus appears to them, and this is what he does. Peace be with you, because you're terrified, I just walked through the wall. <laughs> I was dead. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's a ghost, it's a ghost. So Jesus, the first thing he says is, peace be with you. And then he gathers them together and he says, guys, I paid for it. I did it. Come here. And what did he do? He said, as the Father has sent me, as the Father filled me with his presence and his spirit, as the Father called me, now I'm going to give you that same sending. And then he breathed on them. Does that sound familiar? Genesis 2. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Only after the cross could he do that. And it was one of the first things he did. And suddenly, after he did that, the disciples had the Holy Spirit indwelling. Inside of them, they were born again. Everyone say, born again. And so, when you're born again, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. Where's Jesus? Seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Jesus asked the Father to send the Parakletos, your counselor, your helper. Who is it that's with us now on earth? The Holy Spirit. And so, knowing that He lives inside of us, I, there are many things we need to know. You could preach a thousand sermons on this. I've only got 900 for the rest of the series. But I, I want to really just look at three critical aspects, three critical things that I believe we need to do to take hold of the fullness of this. And so today I am going to have preaching points that firstly look at practice prioritizing the presence of our personal parakletos. And then we need to perceive the primary purpose of Pentecost outpouring. <laughs> and lastly, which I will do in two halves I will wrap this one up next week because next week we're going to actually really just talk about signs, wonders, and miracles and have testimonies and believe for some of that. But so, so that presence, by the way, is not misspelt. It's for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but gifts doesn't begin with a P, does it? P gifts. So <laughs> let's, let's dive in and, and take a look at these three. And I'm trusting, I can't preach a whole lot on each one, but I'm trusting that God's going to just do something. To, to hit you with revelation on these that will cause you to think differently. And so when it comes to practice prioritizing the presence of our personal parakletos, or parakletos, is that easier for you? Some of you are like, parakletos? I'll, I'll be in America. Parakletos. And a little while ago, in fact, a number of years ago, Carol and I were celebrating 
our 25th anniversary. And we still love each other very much, even though we passed the 25th mark now. And we were pastoring in Rosebank, and a number of our leaders and friends gathered together and took up, uh, raised funds for us to go on a cruise for our 25th anniversary. I'd never been on a cruise. I've always wanted to. And so we go on this cruise, and it was amazing. We get this beautiful ship. We get into this beautiful ship. And I don't know if you've ever been on an economy cruise where you walk into your cabin, and you kind of squeeze in, drag your bag behind you, and you get between the beds. And then you kind of, okay, what do I do now? The, fortunately, you can put your bags under the beds. And there's a little space, but it's very intimate. And Carolyn and I are in each other's faces 24-7 on this. It was beautiful. It was amazing. We did everything together. We, we stood. We, we, we didn't quite pull a Titanic at the front. They wouldn't let us. But we did it on the side. <laughs> and we had this amazing time. And it really blessed our marriage. And can't wait to do it again. But now, let me ask you a question. How do you think that cruise would have gone down if I spoke to Carol as much as you guys speak to the Holy Spirit in your daily life? <coughs> think about that. Just go the, the South African, amen. Sure. You see... The Holy Spirit is a whole lot closer than your spouse. He's in you. There are times Carol and I don't see each other. And for some marriages, that's good to have a break. But the Holy Spirit, not for us, I'm just saying some. We are so deeply in love every minute. It's great. But you know what? The Holy Spirit is so much closer to you, and yet we take Him for granted. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He's not a blob. He's not just wind. He's a person. The Bible says he's a person with emotions. He can be grieved. He can be quenched. How do you think it feels to be a person living in your house 24-7, following you everywhere you go, and you don't even recognize him half the time? Remember an earlier sermon where I preached on Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember who you have living inside of you. Romans 8, we don't have time to go Roman over there, but just listen. Romans 8 says, if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, which he does, then that spirit that raised Christ from the dead will surely even quicken your mortal body. The spirit who raised Christ from the dead, in fact, the spirit that empowered Jesus to do every supernatural thing he did lives in you. You don't have a baby Holy Spirit. You don't have a different one to Jesus. You have the exact same Holy Spirit as Jesus. Amen? Amen. And yet we so often take for granted who this amazing person is living inside of me, the power that is inside of me, the presence that is inside of me, and we don't fellowship with him. I am trusting that even from this little message today, something will shift in your heart. Because many years ago, something shifted in my heart to realizing that I was ignoring the Holy Spirit. I mean, I have practiced for years now. The moment I wake up, good morning, Lord. Good morning, Dad. Good morning, Jesus. And then I look inside. I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I receive your grace to help me today. And I don't get out of bed till I've done that. And if I do, I usually bang my head on the wall. And then I go, oh, I didn't pray for grace. Uh, but I am constantly trying to be aware of the Holy Spirit's presence. 
And even then I find myself being distracted. Oh yes, Holy Spirit, still here. I was listening to a message by Mark Connor and he shares this in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Well, it was actually Paul who shared that. Mark Connor shared something from what Paul shared. We, we all share things. And sometimes we say the same things when we preach as others because that's the problem with having the same Bible and the same Holy Spirit. So if you hear things a few times, it's okay. But you see, Paul says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the koinonia of the Holy Spirit be with you. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Now this word for fellowship is the word koinonia. Everyone say koinonia. Now you know two, two little Greeks. You see, this word koinonia is the word that means incredible intimacy. It means communing together with one another and going into a close partnership together as joint partners. And we have to learn not just to experience the grace of Jesus and the love of the Father. We have to learn to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come naturally. You've lived most of your life without Him. Yeah. Remember those days. And now that you have him, most people just go, thank you, Holy Spirit. I got my ticket to heaven and I keep just kind of trying to live life in my own strength. Just go, hmm, did you all get that? Hmm, hmm. You see, Christians all have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Every one of you here, if you're a Christian, have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. But so many of us don't fellowship with him and then wonder why life's so difficult. You know, we wake up in the morning. I've tried to wake up, you know, and do that. But a lot of us wake up and you should do this every morning. Good morning, Lord. Most of you probably, good Lord, it's morning. But whatever it might be. We open our Bible. Oh, I've got to do my Bible reading today. Where's the Bible reading? I found my Bible reading. Oh, that's a good one. Amen. Lord Jesus, bless me today. Help me with that board meeting. Help me with that exam. See you tomorrow. Pew. Sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, I read my Bible without asking the author to explain what he wrote. He inspired all of it. When I ask the Holy Spirit to show me stuff in Scripture, stuff happens. You see, the Word of God is living and active. Not the Bible, not the words on the paper. That's not living and active. Atheists have read that. The Word of God, that means the spoken Word of God. So as I'm reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit speaks it to me and brings it alive and shows me what it means and how to apply it to my life. And so, so many of us, we're trying to read our Bible and we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. We go through our day. We don't ask Him to help us. The Bible says He knows everything about everything. And yet we're struggling. I don't know what to do here. Oh God, help me. Oh God, help me. And so most of the time we're going, God, help me. But He has. He sent the helper. Now, this is something that I loved about what Mark Connor shared. But if I go deeper, where does that word paraletos come from? It comes from two Greek words. Now you're going to know four little Greeks, eh? How's this going? You're, you're all happy. Parakaleo. Two Greek words. I'll give them to you. Kaleo is the word that we get the English word call. That sounds good, right? Kaleo, call. And then para means to come alongside. So literally... Parakaleo, the parakletos, is 
the one who is called, the other word for that is invited, to come and stand beside me as my aid and help. Friends, here's the thing. He's there, but he won't force his way. You have to call on him and invite him. You have to invite him to be your guide. You have to invite him to release his power, presence, and truth. You have to invite him into your Bible reading. You have to invite him into your boardroom. You have to invite him into your thought life. He's not going to push himself in. And so many Christians have been saved 40 years and they're not changed because they haven't been inviting. They have not been kaleaing the para to come next to me. Everyone getting that? We need to invite him. And it, it doesn't happen naturally. So it takes time to discern his voice. Next time we run hearing God's voice or our ministry team training, make sure you're there. We'll train you. We'll help you. Go through ignition. Ignition teaches you how to move in some of these things. But with him living inside of me, he's my helper. He'll never leave nor forsake me, but I have to call on him. And so before I move to the next P point, get in your peace today. I want to say to you, will you from this day make a note? I don't know what it means. Scratch your hand. Do whatever it takes. Put an alarm on your phone. But from this day onwards, will you start to do things that make you more aware of the Holy Spirit? Will you start to do things that when you wake up in the morning, you invite Him before you do anything else? Will you start to say, I'm going to practice every day, Holy Spirit, yielding to you? Galatians 5, being led by you. It's not about rules and regulations. Galatians says those led by the Spirit are not under law because the Spirit will lead you to do everything right. He'll empower you to do everything right. And it's impossible to live the Christian life without that power of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to pray a prayer before I move on to this next point because this is so important. And would you say this with me? Holy Spirit, I'm sorry for the times I've ignored you. Thank you for living inside of me. Thanks for putting up with me. Holy Spirit, I love you. I want to get to know you more. Would you help me? Teach me. I invite you today to be my paracletos, to be my helper. Teach me, guide me, show me things I could never see on my own. From this week onwards, help me to know you there every minute of every day. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, filled with the Holy Spirit, you're born again. But then there was a second experience. And the disciples were breathed on. They'd been born again. Jesus then leaves. And he goes and he ascends into heaven. And when he said, I must leave so I can send the Holy Spirit, there was then another outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which happened on Pentecost. Everyone remember that word Pentecost, right? And so there was the second experience. There's about 120 of them in the upper room, and Jesus tells them to go and wait, and they go and they pray. And, and the Bible tells us that on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place, Acts chapter 2. And suddenly, picture this, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what looked like tongues of fire that came upon resting on each of them. Potent stuff, right? And all of them 
were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. All of them. All 120 of them. This was the second experience with the Holy Spirit that Jesus referred to as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, we'd love to see experiences like that. Tongues of fire. Wouldn't you love to see that? Well, you know, God has done it throughout history. There have been times and we even have a photo of it. This is uh, 19, uh, was it 1985? No, it was 2005, sorry. James Gall was leading a mission to Heidi Baker's ministry in Mozambique. And they were about to show the Jesus video. And so the whole crowd was busy sitting up for it. And they just started worshiping and dancing. And suddenly these tongues of fire came upon all of them as they started to pray in tongues. Isn't that amazing? James Gall writes about it in some of his writings. And, you know, we don't always catch it on photo. This one particular got caught by one of the people on the team. But this is amazing. Whenever we talk about the power of Pentecost, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, most charismatic spiritful churches will talk about, remember when Nigel was here, the fun, the power, the gifts, the release of miracles, signs and wonders. But before I get to that one, I believe too many Christians miss the primary purpose for that outpouring. And so uh, we, we will get to the exciting things that happened, but there's a primary exciting thing that happened, and that is to understand and perceive the primary purpose of Pentecost's outpouring before we get excited about all the other stuff and get distracted. What was the primary purpose? Anyone know? Good? Yes. Lovely. So glad you got that. I'm going to look at two scriptures on this one. The last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he left, we call it the Great Commission. And that when we don't do it, it's called the Great Omission. See? Or no see? Right? So if you know see that, then it's the omission. We trust and everyone's going to see it as the Great Commission. Matthew 28. So Jesus comes to them and he says this in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. And most of you know this. We preach it all the time. We're a disciple-making church. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded, and I will be with you to the end of the age. So the last command Jesus gave to them was, I'm giving you authority to do what? Make disciples of all nations. We call it every nation because we receive that and say, we're going to go to every nation. But then Jesus afterwards said, but don't do it yet. They're like, cool, let's go. We got authority. We got Holy Spirit in us, Jesus. And I hang on. You must wait and not do anything until you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it is impossible for us to fulfill the Great Commission and make disciples of every person on the earth unless we are baptized by the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to do it. So in Matthew 28, we see that Jesus gives us authority to make disciples of every nation. But then in Acts chapter 1, we hear some of what he says to them about the baptism. And I am going to ask you, if you brought your Bibles, turn to Acts 1. I believe in every sermon there should be a scripture that's not up there. Just for the sake of your necks and to help you to know where your Bible is, right? So just blow the dust off to me. Uh, open with me and your Samsung, your iPhone, whatever it might be, your who, why, <laughs> who and why. Acts chapter 1. 
So, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, verse 4, he gave them this command after he'd given them the command to make disciples. Do not leave Jerusalem. Uh, hang on, Jesus. Okay, but you told us to go make disciples of all. No, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Say wait. For the gift my Father promised. So one of the terms used for baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Father. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit in you, now the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. That word baptize is the Greek word baptizo. Now you know five little Greeks, eh? And baptizo is an interesting word. The, obviously there's baptism in water, which we can understand. It literally means to submerse, immerse in something, to submerge like a sunken vessel. In fact, it's the word they use to make gherkins. I baptizoed my cucumbers in vinegar. Now, he doesn't baptize you in vinegar. He baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. It was the word used when you take cloth and baptize it in dye and it comes out a different color. The understanding is that when I'm baptized, I go in one way and I come out totally changed. So when I'm baptized in water, I say, I'm a sinner. I therefore choose to die with Jesus and identify with his death and burial underwater, and then I choose to come up in resurrection life, and baptism is saying, I now choose to die to myself and live for Jesus. I went indifferent. My old self got sucked up in the creepy crawly, and I went on a different man. Baptizo in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now comes on you, and you submerged, immersed. It's the word for like a sponge soaking. Ever heard people talk about soaking in the Holy Spirit? That's a biblical word. We meant to soak in His Holy Spirit so that we can be changed. And so he talks about this, and after he said you're going to be baptized, they come with an interesting question. So, Lord, are you now going to restore the kingdom? Is this the end? You're going to establish Israel in its kingdom again. Jesus, I, even then the disciples aren't going to go, okay, listen, guys, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father set, but here's what you need to know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses, say witnesses, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Wow. So he gave us authority, Matthew 28, and he gave us power, Acts 1 verse 8. And then it says he was taken up, a cloud hit him from their side, and they stood intently staring up into the sky as he was going. And as he disappears, they just stood there with their mouths open staring. Got that? Two angels had to appear and say to them, hey, hey, men of Galilee. Okay, he's, he's gone. He's coming back. But you've got work to do. Come on. Let's go do it. And so they then went into the upper room, waited, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they started to move in incredible power to be witnesses. Incredible boldness. And so if we look at what Matthew says, what Acts says, what is the primary purpose of Pentecost's outpouring? Would you agree with me that the primary purpose of Pentecost power is to preach to all people on the planet? Amen. Friends, here's the, the critical thing. And so many Christians are like, we're just going to enjoy the presence of God. That's very important. We need to. But unless it results in us getting up and going, we're not fulfilling the primary purpose for which you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Just say, uh-huh. 
And yet so many Christians don't make the Great Commission their personal mission. It's like someone else will go, I'm busy, Lord. You, you know how much work I've got to do. Friends, let me tell you this. If you truly soak in the Holy Spirit every day, let it invite Him to release His power and presence into your life every day, you will not be able to contain Him. Opportunities will happen. You will end up being a witness. You will end up releasing that into other people's lives. You'll end up going places you'd never gone before, but it must always result in going. There they were staring at the sky. Jesus, come back. You know, the church for so long has just been crying out for Jesus to return. Too many Christians are still looking to the sky, waiting for Jesus to come. And Jesus is looking down, waiting for us to go. Can I say that again? Too many Christians are just waiting for Jesus to come. I believe he's waiting for us to go. In fact, Jesus said, listen, you want to know when the end times is going to come? Let me tell you, Matthew 24. The gospel of the kingdom has got to be preached in the whole world to all nations, and only then will the end come. So if you're interested in the end, Jesus' coming is directly linked to us going. Amen. Lord, may you release power to be upon us, to be your witnesses. Destroy every spirit of shame that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of salvation to those who would believe. We receive right now your anointing to shatter fear. We ask right now that you would come upon us, Lord Jesus, and fill us with power to be witnesses wherever we go. Wherever I work, wherever I meet others, I'm asking, Lord, that you would give me words of knowledge. You would show me things. You'd put words in my mouth. You'd make me bold. I can't do it in my own strength, so I receive your strength now. And give it to me every day that I can do this every day. Amen. And sometimes Carol mentioned the harvest is plentiful. Yes, it is. Have you ever looked at 200 hectares of corn and then been told, okay, go and reap the harvest? Do you know how you reap a harvest of 2,000 hectares of corn? One million at a time. So let me say this. If you're overwhelmed by the harvest, just say, Holy Spirit, give me one. Holy Spirit, give me one. Will you trust for the Holy Spirit to give you one that you can witness to this week? Amen. Start there. And then I'm going to start this one today. We'll talk more about it next week. But with Pentecost power, beyond just the boldness, the strength to go, Jesus released a whole lot in you so that you can be like him, so that you can do the same miracles. You can move in the same power and anointing. You can see signs, wonders, and miracles. And there are things that come with the baptism in the Holy Spirit that completely change us. In fact, when he talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that there are three foundations upon which your Christian walk is built. In fact, Peter, when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, remember Peter, the guy who was, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> and then you will deny me three times. No, I won't. Yes, I did. That's the Peter who now stands up after being baptized in the Holy Spirit and preaches to the entire city filled with every tongue and nation that's gathered there. And he preaches a powerful message. 3,000 get saved added to the church in that day when you like that we went from 120 to 3120 in one day he changed with the boldness the wisdom the power of god through being baptized in the holy spirit 
And so they say to him, Peter, this is an awesome word. What must we do to be saved? He says, well, you must do three things, kind of like this, if I'm going to take a stand. There's the tripod foundation. Take one of those legs, and I won't be able to see my notes anymore, so please don't. But if, if they ask, what must we do? Peter says this. Firstly, repent, number one. Be baptized in water, number two. And receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is the tripod foundation of your faith. So if you're here today and all you've done is receive Jesus and prayed for him to come and live inside of you, but not baptizing water or baptizing in the Holy Spirit, then you don't have the fullness of what you need to live the Christian life here on earth. It's not that you won't go to heaven, but do you know that you're not in heaven yet? Why did Jesus leave you here? Got a job to do. Amen? And you cannot live the Christian life without being obedient to baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Next week, I'll have some CDs at the back, The Power of Baptisms, for those who would like to hear more on that, because I don't have the time today. And there are many different words used for baptism throughout Scripture, the gift of the Spirit, poured out, fall upon, filled. And the Bible shows us the benefits of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, you have power to be witnesses. We've spoken about that. But then you have boldness and anointing to preach like never before, like Peter did. He went from one man to a completely different man. After the baptism in the Holy Spirit, people were lining up for his shadow to fall on them that they might be healed. Cool. So afterwards, our ministry team are going to stand out in the sun and you just walk past their shadows. Listen, if that's what happened to Peter and Paul, and the other apostles, and the amazing signs, wonders, and miracles that were done. The same Holy Spirit is in you. We're not seeing it because we've settled for what we got. And you don't see anything different if you don't do things different. If you don't press in, ask for more, soak in His presence, cry out for more of the power, start to act on every opportunity that comes, you won't see the fullness of this. And they were around Jesus. They'd seen it. It's easier for them. But for us, we haven't seen it as much. So we have to work harder to overcome the mental barriers. But we can't use that as an excuse. And so if I pray for 60 people and only one gets healed, I celebrate that one. I'm still going to keep praying for healings. We need to start stepping out and trusting God for this power. Amen. There was another thing that came every time people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. Now, this is a weird one, huh? Especially for people who don't speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is weird until you st start speaking in tongues. Then it's just awesome. I was a Methodist, and I was raised Methodist. I was born again when I was two bricks and a Mari biscuit high. And I had the presence of God in me, but I couldn't stick to this Christian life. It was back and forth and up and down. And eventually, at the age of... 15, 16, I went to this funny church called Rhema that I just started. And they prayed for me, and they said, you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was like, okay, what's that? And you're going to speak in other tongues. The only thing I'd been told was that tongues was demonic. So I was like, is it demonic? No, 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 it's of the Lord. And they showed me in Scripture where every time the Holy Spirit came and baptized people, they spoke in tongues. And so I stood there, and I thought, okay, well, I receive it and they prayed for me baptized in the Holy Spirit I received the baptism I, I didn't necessarily feel anything and then I expected the Holy Spirit to just grab my tongue and go hey, la, 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 la. so I was like waiting 
Thank you, Jesus. Uh-huh. Okay, Jesus. Anytime now, Jesus. Holy Spirit, okay. They say, well, actually, you have to overcome your mind because your mind is blocking this. So put your mind aside and just like a little child, start to talk like a little child. Would go, ah, da, 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 da. Like, my father warned me about you people. <laughs> but I was feeling the presence of God and I wanted this so badly. I said, okay. And so I started to speak out loud. Okay. I got da, da, marashane, keke, labrado, soto, kupaye, And I was like, woohoo! I went home now. I've been taught that tongues is demonic, so I shoved my head in my pillow and prayed the whole night. Didn't sleep for two nights. Because I didn't want my parents to hear. Only discovered a year later, my father had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, but he also did it secretly. But I can tell you now, the thing that changed my life, the turning point in my life was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Too many Christians trying to live this life without the power. And we had an opportunity last week for people to be baptized in the Spirit. But I want to say, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but never released in tongues, I want to pray for you. I prayed for thousands. And every time we've prayed for people to be released in tongues, everyone gets a prayer language of tongues. Everyone. It's a way of praying that the Holy Spirit prays through you, the perfect will of God. It is the sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you don't speak in tongues, but you've prayed for the baptism, you still have the power. But Jesus wants you to be released in that prayer language. So I, I am going to close by doing three things. I'm going to say that those who are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, maybe missed last week's opportunity or haven't been through ignition, or you baptize and you're not speaking in tongues, I'm going to ask you to come up here and I'm going to pray for you to be released, okay? Now, the rest of you, when the Bible talks about the fact that baptizo means to soak, I'm going to ask God to change the atmosphere here with His presence. And the rest of you, I'm going to ask you to just soak in His presence. I'm going to ask you to invite Holy Spirit to be your best friend. I'm going to ask you to feel Him. Let Him fill you more. Even after that, we're meant to be baptized all the time. It says they were in the upper room and then we've been persecuted and they prayed and it says they were filled again with the Holy Spirit. The room shook and they went out with greater boldness. We're meant to be filled over and over. Ephesians says, don't get drunk on wine. Be ever increasingly filled nonstop with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to invite you to do that. And I'm going to ask our ministry team then to come and stand up here as well. If you just want prayer for anything, pray for more of the Spirit. When, when Jesus talks about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, so many people, especially from religious backgrounds, are like, but I don't know, maybe I get a demon, maybe I get, how do I know it's going to be God? Jesus said this, which of you, if your son asks for a fish, gives him a snake? If he asks for an egg, give you a scorpion. So you're evil. How do you know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If you ask Him to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and release you with your prayer language of tongues, the enemy can't give you anything. It's Jesus. Don't let that lie hit you in any way. Amen? And so what do we do? If you want the Holy Spirit, what do you do? Ask. Invite. Call. Are you catching this? He's not just going to do it. It's not just, well, I got Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, why don't you do anything? You didn't invite me. You didn't call me. You didn't ask me. And so I'm going to play a piece of music which some music has a real anointing on it stronger than others i'm going to play what i believe is one of the most anointed pieces of music i know and i'm going to say just sit in his presence and soak in that for a while
I want to take the last seven minutes we have here. And those who want to be released in baptism in the Holy Spirit tongues, I'm going to ask you to come join me up here. But I am trusting that you're going to leave today more filled, more in tune, more desirous of that relationship and release of power and presence. Amen. Haley, would you mind playing that? And uh, you can stay and soak if you want more. When we're done, Call them in, my God. you can grab coffee. But Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and fall right now. We choose to come into your presence. We say, Holy Spirit, would you come? We invite you to come. Fill us again. Come, my beloved. Come, my beloved. just close your eyes and start to feel his presence holy spirit increase in this place release your presence and anointing now if you want prayer for baptism in the holy spirit at this time come join me in the corner here I just let that anointing start to flood your soul.
we just thank you that we never have to be alone. We're so grateful. Lord, that this experience we're having right now, Lord, we just ask that you would continue this always, that we would live from this place of satisfaction, fullness, hope, delight. Thank you, Lord. 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 We're so grateful to you. Ah, can we just give the Lord a hand where you are? Just celebrate what he's done for you. If you are in need of prayer for anything, ministry team, I'd love you to come forward and um, you can come and ask one of these people at the front for prayer. Visitors, we would absolutely love to see you at the visitors table. Don't leave before you've greeted one of our leaders and don't rush off. Find someone else who's been fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. They're all at their best right now. Have a coffee with them. And yeah, just get, get to know someone that you didn't know before. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. He's with you. Trust God for those encounters with the Holy Spirit and with others to reveal Jesus. Just, just a word, a part of your testimony, something simple about what Jesus has done in your life. God will give you opportunities this week. God bless you. Have a great week. Amen. Thank mm -hmm. you.